facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. A fabulous Friday to all of you. We've made it through another week. We're going to kick off the weekend in style. I've got that Friday feeling. I'm sure you have it as well. Hey, why don't you call this number, 888-914-9149. Toll free to talk to me on Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. 888-914-9149. You can also email the program. And I do thank you for sending me some jokes. We had <laughs> we talked about the holy humor of St. Lawrence, the deacon yesterday, the patron saint of comedians. We had some... Uh, I don't want to grade the, the jokes on air, but we I, I did get some good ones also through email. Uh, time permitting, I might share a couple at the end of the show. But you can email me. Great to hear from you. Comments, questions, show ideas. Become a shadow producer of the Kale Clark Show. Kale at RelevantRadio.com. C-A-L-E at RelevantRadio.com. And you can find me on Twitter, also known as the X app, at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. Well, like I said earlier this week, August is the month where the saints come marching in. And there's just so many great saints throughout this entire month. Of course, next week we're going to celebrate... The mother of all saint days in August, of course. That's our Blessed Mother's Assumption. Can't wait for that. We'll talk about that. That's often a bone of contention with non-Catholics, too. They say, where is that in the Bible? Well, you know, might be there. Might not think it's there, but we'll talk about that. But today's saint is Saint Claire of Assisi. That's right. Uh, the close friend, of course, of Saint Francis of Assisi, who transformed the world. One of the most, he may be the most transformative saint in the history of the church, people say that. I, I mean, you can rank him however you want to rank him, but but he is often seen as the most Christ-like saint in history. That's that's uh, that's a tough competition, right? They're all they all show different aspects of the character of, of Christ, and in some way, like like the different sides of a diamond reflecting his glory. And we've got to do that as well. Well, Saint Clair really had some holy habits. And and yeah, I am kind of talking about the clothes that she wore. That is a bit of a bad pun. But she had to break free from some old ways to get into those new habits and old ways of life as well so that she could fulfill God's will. we got to do that too. And then later I'm going to talk to you about how to create a three-alarm fire in your life. What do I mean by that? I'm not talking about, you know, adding some jalapenos to your diet, although that could work too. But I am talking about three alarms that you can set on your phone that remind you of the three different people that you need to be throughout the day. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have a split personality disorder or anything like that. I am suggesting, though, that there are sort of roles that we have to play in life, characters we have to, to master in order to move our lives forward. We'll talk about that. Plus, it's Friday. We're going to have the week that was on the show produced by producer Jim. Who else? And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, so I'm glad that you're with me on the show. Once again, 888-914-9149. Let me, let me talk to you a little bit about St. Clair. Um, believe it or not, she's kind of an overlooked saint in the history of the church when it comes to miracles. Probably the one that you might have heard about maybe more so than any of the others. And whenever I'm in the Chicago area visiting the worldwide headquarters of Relevant Radio, I always make it a point to go to the St. Maximilian Kolbe Shrine, which is not too far away from our worldwide headquarters in Lincolnshire, Illinois. And it's it's an incredible, incredible uh, 
church and, and, and community and it's it, it, and, and I know producer Jim goes there a lot he hangs out there a lot and likes to likes to pray there and they've got adoration they've got a, an incredible monstrance that's about 10 feet tall over the altar it's it's unbelievable and there's also on the wall there's a beautiful mosaic a tile mosaic of saint claire and she's holding a monstrance as well and, and she's she's kind of at the at the balcony of her of her monastery at san damiano in assisi and these invaders these saracen invaders are, are trying to climb these ladders get get into the convent wreak havoc and she just holds up the monstrance and they all ah, they're all falling down they're just repulsed and they they run away in fear and trembling and that that's a big scene in the life of St. Clara. And, but there, there's some other big miracles in her life, too, that a lot of people don't know about. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show, 888-914-9149. Now, I haven't seen this movie, but maybe you guys remember this when it came out. There, there was a, a film about St. Francis of Assisi, and St. Clara's in it, too. It's called Brother, Son, and Sister Moon. Apparently, it's ridiculous. I, I haven't seen it, but... This movie helped to further this ridiculous notion that St. Francis of Assisi and St. Clara were, were in love. You know, they, were, they, they didn't just, you know, they weren't just spiritual friends. They were more than that. That's not true. That's absolutely not true. They did not have a romantic relationship. They were never alone. Uh, did not happen. Forget about it. Forget about it. But, but speaking of relationships, love relationships... St. Clair, and by the way, she, she lived from 1193, end of the 12th century, early 13th. She died in 1253. Uh, she, she, her parents did try to set her up, and, and this is hard for us to, to believe, but uh, parents would arrange marriages were kind of the norm back then, and, and very often they were done for political reasons, for financial reasons, to try to make the family better off, and so... Her parents had already pre-selected. They were, they were kind of part of the elite of society in Assisi in Italy. And I've been to Assisi. I don't know if you've been to Assisi, but it's an awesome place to visit. If you ever get a chance to go, it's really, really cool. And I was actually there only one time. I was, I've only been to Italy one time. I have to remedy this. But I've only been to Italy once. It was on my honeymoon. Uh, we went to Rome. We did take a side trip to Assisi, and it was an incredible day. It was so much fun. And uh, we saw, of course, the, the famous uh, San Damiano Church where Jesus spoke to St. Francis and said, I want you to rebuild my church, which lies in ruins. And so um, Claire, and, and it's interesting because Claire and the poor Claires, which of course is the order of nuns that came out of the Franciscan movement, that's, that was exhibit number one of how he did help to rebuild the church. By by getting Claire involved and and what she did, how God used her, but when she was just a young kid, she was only twelve years old, and her parents had already they wanted to betroth her to this dude. Um, I don't know how old the the gentleman was, the young boy, but but they they sort of prearranged this marriage for her. Not that she was actually going to get married at twelve, but they basically came to her and said, "We we want to set you up with this guy." And Claire was like, uh, can, can you wait until I'm 18? Can you just wait a few years till I'm 18 before you set me up? Okay, and they, and they said, um, okay. They actually kind of agreed with that. And that decision actually impacted all of eternity because when, it was, when she was 18, it was around that time when, when Claire had to, 
She was supposed to be betrothed to this young man. She'd put it off. But when she was 18, St. Francis, basically he preached the parish mission in, in, at St. George's in Assisi. And, and Claire was a parishioner there. And she was a pretty devoted Catholic already. But, but when she heard St. Francis of Assisi preach, and you can obviously imagine being, being in the presence of a saint, and many of you guys have met a saint personally, whether it's St. John Paul II or you've met another saint. Um, hopefully we're among many saints, and hopefully we're all living saints. That's the point of our life, to become saints. But you know what I'm talking about. If you've been around somebody who's really in touch with Christ, who just radiates the love of Jesus Christ, it, it makes a huge impression. Think about how somebody as great as St. Francis of Assisi. And so the stuff he was saying just really arrested her attention, and she was like, this is it. I, I, I've got to somehow figure out a way that I can join Francis in his community. And there's, there's, no, there's no way women can join right now, but I, I'm going to try to figure this out. So she would meet with St. Francis, and she was never alone. She was never alone. She, was always, she would always take a friend with her, and they would, they would kind of slip away, because if her parents ever found out about this, she was in big, big, big trouble. Big trouble. And uh, her parents did not want... St. Francis wasn't exactly popular at the beginning among the elite of society. In fact, people thought he was... I mean, he, he himself had come from a noble background. His, his father was quite wealthy, and he very famously took the clothes off of his back and stood there naked and said, I renounce everything. You know, I give it to you, Dad, when he, when he went to follow Christ very, very closely. He had had this big conversion experience, and, and that was still resonating throughout the town. People would talk about it in the coffee shops as they were sipping their cappuccinos. And he was considered to be not cool. Um, he was hanging out with the poor, the destitute. He was begging for alms. It was embarrassing. And so the last thing that Claire's family wanted was for her to, to, to hang out with this guy. So she would slip away with her friend, and she would talk to St. Francis and try to figure out a way, how, how, could we, how could I join your community? And they'd pray about it. And there was actually, she had another relative named Rufino, who was kind of a cousin, and, and he had also slipped away from the family and joined the Franciscans, and that was embarrassing for the family. So there's no way her parents would, would ever let Claire do something like this. So they, came, they hatched a plan. Francis and Claire hatched a plan. They said, okay, here's the deal. You're, you're going to start a group of nuns that's basically going to be living the same kind of life as, as the Franciscan friars do. And Bishop Guido of Assisi, we all know Bishop Guido, right? And, and he was... Um, a really, really supportive guy for St. Francis, and he was—he loved what they were doing, and Francis would go to him, and he would always encourage him, and the saint would go to him for spiritual direction, and so they all kind of, the three of them hatched this plan that, that St. Clair, on Palm Sunday in the year 1212 A.D., that was the day that she was going to run away from her family and join Francis's community. So that morning, it was Palm Sunday morning, she went to the liturgy, now they're handing out the palms, Arts and Crafts Sunday. I don't know whether people were making shapes with them or not. I don't know. But nonetheless, that, that was kind of her big day, and she was super, super happy that day. because She viewed that as her wedding mass, her marriage to Christ as, as a consecrated virgin. And so that night, she put on a white dress, kind of like a wedding dress, and she slipped away along with one of her relatives, and in the middle of the night, she, she ran away and went to the Church of St. Mary of the Angels, and Francis and all the other friars welcomed her there. 
They went into the chapel, and then Clara made her profession of faith. And she said, I want only Jesus Christ to live by the gospel, to own nothing, and to live in chastity. And so St. Francis then cut her hair off. He sh- sheared her head, and, and she had beautiful, long flaxen hair. And she, took a, she, she traded uh, her white wedding dress for a very, like basically a potato sack, a very coarse sackcloth habit. And so she really did have to change her habits in, in more ways than one. But then, of course, word got out. Her parents were wondering, what the heck is going on here? And everyone thought, this is ridiculous. You're being completely selfish. This, these are the actions of a young girl who's clearly um, unhinged. She's immature. She's hanging out with this loser, Francis. What are you doing? And in fact, for security, for security, St. Francis had to hide her in a, in a different convent that, that was run by the Benedictines. And so the thing, if you decide to, I mean, I'm not saying most of us are not going to run away and join a, a monastery or the ladies to a convent, but if you decide to really commit yourself to Jesus Christ, people are going to misunderstand you. You're going to have a hard time with certain people who don't like what you've done with your life, who, who are not happy about the direction that your life is taking. Maybe it's because they, it's convicting them. Well, maybe they know I should be taking God more seriously, and now that you are, I want to kind of bring you down a couple pegs. They're not happy for you. Expect that. As Jesus said in the Gospel, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 25, he said, hey, if they've called the master of the house Beelzebul, in other words, they're calling him in league with the devil, Jesus, if they're calling the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? So don't be surprised if that happens to you as well. But don't let it get you down either. So anyway, so Francis had to hide, had to stash away Claire in this other convent, this Benedictine convent. And she, she like I said, she came from a powerful family, and she had this uncle named Manaldo. Manaldo. I don't know if he played for Real Madrid or not, Manaldo. But anyways, Manaldo was incredibly angry. He said, I'm going to go find this girl and get her back. And so they, they went, they somehow figured out she was there, and he and a bunch of other guys, they burst into the convent. They found Claire praying in the chapel. She was clinging up to the altar, and she was like, there's no way that Manaldo and all his buddies are, would ever dare come into the, into the sanctuary. Um, but they did, and they were like, you're coming with us. You're going back to your family. And she said, no way. And that's when she took off her veil and revealed that her hair was all cut off and she was, she was essentially bald. And then they're like, it's too late. We've lost her. And so they, they left. But a couple days later, Claire had a 15-year-old sister named Agnes, and she also left home to join the Franciscans. And that, that was really the last straw. People were really uh, couldn't believe that. So Minaldo came back again and said, okay, there's no way Agnes, she's way too young for this. There's no way she's doing this. So they looked for Agnes, and they tried to grab a hold of her to bring her back home. She said, I'm not going. I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm going to stay here with Claire. I'm not leaving her, not going. So they tried to grab her, and this is where the first miracle that took place, uh, because of the intercession of St. Claire, took place. She prayed, she knelt down and prayed, and then her sister Agnes became so heavy that that Minaldo and all his buddies, they, despite their... their uh, Roid rage. They couldn't lift her up. She was like a like a boulder. They just couldn't move her. It was embarrassing. They're like, oh man, what's going on here? So they, they finally gave up and, and they left and they never came back. 
they never came back. So all was well. Francis uh, gave St. Clair a little place to live, and it was right next to the famous Church of San Damiano on the on the outside, of, the outskirts of Assisi, if you will. And then people started to come. Like women started to join the movement, just as as Francis attracted the men, she attracted the women. Even Claire's mother somehow became a part of this. I don't know whether she actually became a nun or not, but I, even even that worked. So if you can't beat them, join them, I guess her mom said. And okay, my my two daughters have have done this. Maybe I should too. Even Agnes of Bohemia, I've never heard of Agnes of Bohemia, but apparently the great Agnes of Bohemia, who was supposed to get married to Emperor Frederick II, she called off the wedding and she said, I want to become a Franciscan nun as well. And so she actually set up a convent in her own country. Now, maybe that's why Frederick II was so ticked off that he sent these warriors to try to overtake the town of Assisi. You're listening to the Kale Clark show on relevant radio. So just before we get to that, there are, there are other miracles and, and Bert Gezi talks about this in his book, mystics and miracles. There are other miracles of St. Clara that, that a lot of people don't know about the convent. It would, the Franciscans would, would beg for alms and the, the women didn't do it themselves. Some of the, the male Franciscan friars would actually beg on their behalf and then bring stuff back to the convent. One time they ran out of oil. Hey, you, you can't run out of olive oil when you're in Italy. That's a major disaster. So she said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to trust God. She took a jar, put it at the door of the convent, and the friar was supposed to pick it up, grab the jar, and try to beg in the town for oil. Well, when he got there, the jar was already full. So, oh, interesting. Uh, there's another occasion where allegedly there's a bit of a miracle of the loaves. Uh, Claire had 50 sisters. They had no bread. And somehow Claire was able to feed them all on one loaf. And she had a gift of healing as well. This is interesting. So one of the, the first biographer of St. Francis of Assisi was, was uh, Thomas of Salano. And he said that when St. Clair would make the sign of the cross over people, she would instantly cure them. Of course, it was Jesus doing it through her. But um, there was a mentally ill Franciscan friar named Stephen. And obviously, people didn't understand mental illness very much back then. And she, she just simply touched him, and he immediately was in his right mind. Uh, there was a kid, there was a three-year-old kid named Macciolo, and he, he somehow, I don't know what he was doing, he was goofing around with his friends on the playground, and he got a pebble stuck in his nose, and it was way up in his nostrils, and his, couldn't breathe, and she just simply made the sign of the cross over him, and the stone psh, fell out of his nose. And then, other sisters, there was a sister named Beneventua, who had open sores for 12 years, she healed her as well. Uh, Christiana was here to was healed of deafness, and yeah, so all all these miracles were were this happened again and again. And at one time, Claire went to to a hospital. She went into the infirmary and made the sign of the cross five times over the the patients, and five sisters that were there were cured uh, of their illnesses. So maybe she should have made the sign of the cross more times, cured everybody. But anyways, that's the point. Now remember, I told you about this guy, Emperor Frederick the Second one of the most powerful men in the world. He was spurned by his fiancée, Agnes of Bohemia. Up to that point, she'd been living a bohemian lifestyle, I guess you could say. But Agnes of Bohemia said, forget it, I don't want to marry you, I am going to become a Franciscan nun as well. And he didn't take that very well. He was like, "That's a, how could you say, I mean, how am I going to tell my buddies about this? You rejected me to become a nun? Come on, I'm the emperor. So he decided to invade northern Italy. It was probably for other reasons, but, but I'm sure this didn't help. 
in the year 1241. So he, he made a deal. He, he basically got some mercenary soldiers to, to, to help him in this, in this task. And he, he basically hired a bunch of Saracens, these Muslim um, Saracen soldiers. And they were like all too keen to, to join this mission. And so they were basically running roughshod over the valley where Assisi is located. And they were just laying waste to the populace, and uh, it was a really, really dangerous scene. So they came to to San Damiano, and that's where the the nuns were with Saint Clair. And Saint Clair was really sick at this point; she was not in a good place physically herself. And she had cured others, but she herself was, was quite ill. And there was no security; there were no gates, there was no bodyguards, there was nothing, no security cameras. Um, and these guys showed up, and they started, you know, putting ladders up against the the walls of the monastery and they started to, to climb and the sisters were absolutely freaking out they thought that they would be killed or maybe even worse things would happen to them um shudder to think about it so the sisters all went to claire and said what what, what are we going to do what are we going to do and so she she went to the tabernacle and she took out now in, in the paintings in the works of art that you see about this she she's carrying a, a monstrance it wasn't actually a monstrance she actually took a pix you know which they take it's a small um, box that they use to bring the Eucharist to the sick and, and, and take it to people um, outside of Mass. So she grabbed uh, the pyx, which had a host in it, and she just fell down on the floor and, and just prostrated herself and, and prayed to God. She said, does it please you, Lord, to deliver your defenseless handmaids into the hands of these pagans? I beg you, Lord, defend them for me, since I can't defend them myself. And then a voice was heard. And what was interesting about this is that a lot of historians say it was the voice of a child, like almost like the child Christ. And the voice said, I will always defend you. And then she, she went to the wall and she simply held up the picks with the Eucharistic host in it. And the soldiers immediately started falling off the ladders, screaming in pain. Uh, they were overwhelmed and they, they simply ran away. It's, it's so interesting, isn't it? There's, there's, there's a few cases like that in, in, in church history where the Eucharist has repelled people, evil, uh, evildoers, would-be evildoers, just as Jesus did in his own ministry. Think about when he's casting out demons out of people. Uh, what, what, in Mark's Gospel, the first, the first time it talks about Jesus doing an exorcism, the demon says to him, I know who you are, you're the Holy One of God. What, have you come to destroy us? And that's exactly what's going on here. Jesus is repelling the enemy. And, and St. Clair prayed, you know, will Assisi survive it? And Jesus said, yes, it will survive. It will go through trials, but I will protect it ultimately. Uh, and that wasn't the last time. That was not the last time that a miracle was done in a military sense through St. Clair. I'll tell you about that. Plus, the three alarms that you need to set on your phone today to help God make you the person that you're created to be. We're going to talk about that on the K.O. Clark Show. Plus the week that was, 888-914-9149. Be right back. This is the K.O. Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to the Kale Clark Show on this Friday. It's the 11th of August, 2023, feast day of St. Clair of Assisi. Beautiful place. If you've never gone to Assisi, you got to go. So many holy sites in Italy. It's amazing. And I'll just finish up with my, if you missed what we were talking about before the break, uh, check it out 
on the podcast. Share it with a friend after the show. One more little miracle from the life of St. Clair in just a moment, but let's go to the phones right now. Once again, 888-914-914-9 is the number to call. 888-914-9149. Let's go to Anne in San Francisco. Hello, Anne. Oh, hello, Cleo. Um, I wanted to ask you, you're talking about St. Clair, I know, but about St. Francis, I just heard this last weekend um, when we were away um, in another city, the priest, uh, I spoke to the priest after Mass, and he said that mm-hmm. St. Francis was never an ordained priest. He was just a deacon. Can you confirm that? That is correct. That is absolutely correct. Uh, he never did become a priest. He was an ordained deacon. But he, the reason why, apparently, Anne, is that he never felt worthy uh, to, to take upon himself the priesthood. And, and, and clearly nobody's worthy of it. No, no man is worthy of it. But... Um, but his his extreme humility, obviously, um, he he just he decided not to do that, and uh, yeah, that is correct. That's absolutely true. So thank you so much for your call, Anne in San Francisco, and have yourself an, an amazing weekend. Uh, call back sometime. It's great to hear your voice. And I, I did promise to share one other miracle. Uh, people don't realize like just the the propensity of miracles in the life of not only Saint Francis, and he had a ton, especially the stigmata. I believe he was the first person to uh, receive the stigmata very, very close to his death. And, in fact, uh, when he did die, his uh, the funeral procession did stop by the, the monastery where the poor Clares, they weren't called the poor Clares at that point, obviously. Uh, St. Clare was still alive. They were called the, the ladies of, of the poor or something like that. And so St. Francis's casket was brought in, and it was opened up for St. Clair and her fellow nuns, and they were able to say their goodbyes and, and actually touch the wounds of the stigmata on the body of St. Francis. And so I, I told you about the sort of military miracle that happened with the Eucharist repelling the Saracen invaders from the monastery in 1241. And not too long after that, uh, there was another general in, in the imperial army of Frederick II who also tried to lay siege to Assisi, and actually the city came very, very close to falling. And Claire and her sisters were praying, their intercession, and in fact, they took off their veils and covered themselves with ashes. You know, they they really tried to repent in sackcloth and ashes, if you will, and they were praying for the safety of Assisi, and their prayers were heard. Miraculously, In like overnight, the army just, which was doing really well, it just completely fell apart. They, they started fighting with one another, and they disbanded. And sometime after that, a very short time after that, the general himself was killed. So uh, her prayers were, in fact, uh, heeded. And this idea of, that they covered themselves with, with, with ashes, it's really interesting, too, because one of the things I read about uh, St. Francis and his, and his interaction with the poor Claire is one time, from time to time, he would come and preach to them and, and speak to them. And, and one time when he did so... It was very, very powerful. They never forgot it because he just simply showed up and he brought out some ashes and he just he just looked up to heaven and prayed. And St. Francis just took the ashes and he drew kind of a circle on the ground with the ashes, stood in the middle of the circle, and then he put ashes on his head and then he just stayed there silently for a really, really long time praying. And then he read psalm 51 a psalm of david obviously a penitential psalm when he david's whole life is falling apart he's killed uriah he you know his baby has died it's just a, it's a disaster but he repents 
And he in Psalm 51 is is one of the psalms that he wrote. And so he prays this penitential psalm, and then he just walks out. <laughs> Mic drop. You know, it was it was a, it was a great great uh, homily, and they never forgot that. But uh, Saint Clair was also known for her own attitude under under suffering, and, and she had healed so many people, but she herself uh, bore a lot of infirmities. Um, and she said this just shortly before she died, when she was actually on her deathbed. She said, ever since I've known the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ through his servant Francis, no suffering has troubled me, no penance has been hard, no sickness too arduous. And so what, I just want to leave you with this. She, she wrote this poem called The Spotless Mirror. And it's, it's intriguing because she, she tried to be a mirror of Jesus Christ you know, to, to the world. And, and we kind of have to be that as well. For other people. So here, here's her poem, The Spotless Mirror. She wrote, Happy the soul to whom it is given to attain this life with Christ, to cleave with all one's heart to him, whose beauty all the heavenly hosts behold forever, whose love inflames our love, whose contemplation is our refreshment, whose graciousness is our delight, whose gentleness fills us to overflowing, whose remembrance gives sweet light, whose fragrance revives the dead, whose glorious vision will be the happiness of all the citizens of that heavenly Jerusalem. For he is the brightness of eternal glory, the splendor of eternal light, the mirror without spot. That's a quote from the book of Wisdom, chapter 7, verse 26. And so St. Clair of Assisi wrote that. Yeah, we have to be that mirror of Christ for others. And and Our Lady, of course, was the best at this. The Mirror of Justice, as uh, we, that's one of her titles in the Litany of Loretto. And we've got to try to be a more spotless mirror. We've got to get rid of the grime, if you will. And that's when we, we need to go to confession so that we can, people can see that reflection of Christ in us. And, and that's really what, what being a saint is, is all about, striving for it. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. If you call, you're going to, uh, Patrick Alog will pick up the phone. He's working the phones for us tonight. 888-914-9149. Happy to field your calls, questions, comments. And we did get a comment from a caller who did not want to come on the air, but uh, I'd mentioned the, the movie Brother, Son, Sister, Moon. I haven't seen it, but uh, I don't know whether it came out in the 1970s or, or what, but um, some say that it implies a romantic relationship between Francis and Claire. That's not the case. Uh, never happened. She was never alone with him, but uh, according to Patrick Alog, he just sent me a message. The caller said there was no relationship implied, according to this caller, but there was a hippie aspect to the movie, <laughs> a hippie-ish aspect to the movie. And uh, hey, you know, Jesus was not a hippie. Let's let's just leave it there. All right, so let, let me, let me, I want to talk to you about something else too. This is kind of interesting. Um, I came across a, a little book uh, by this writer. Uh, who's kind of a business coach. His name is Eric Partaker. And I was partaking of Eric Partaker's book. And it's called The Three Alarms. The Three Alarms. And you've heard of a three-alarm fire, but what, what is this all about? It, it's really about, he calls it the three areas of a fulfilled life. So as we go into the weekend together, this might be something to think about. It might be something to try. And uh, I, I haven't, I haven't um, gotten through the whole thing yet, but it's a short little book. But he, he talks about doing executive coaching with people. And a lot of these guys and, and gals were doing really, really well in their work, 
CEOs running companies, that sort of thing. But other aspects of their life were falling apart, like their health, their their relationships, their marriages, uh, bad dealings with their kids, they're not on good terms. And it's very hard to to try to fire on all cylinders, but we really got to do that. And uh, he, he talked about in his book, a story that I've told you before that about Elon Musk being interviewed in the New York Times back in 2018. And, and he told the Times that he works for 120 hours a week, usually. And this guy is just a machine. And, and, and when, they were, when Tesla was trying to push out you know, the, the Model 3 and the company was, was hanging by a thread, he was sleeping in, in their factory in Fremont, California. He was working 17-hour days, seven days a week. He missed his own birthday party. Um, his brother, Kimball, got married. He flew out, arrived just before the wedding, and then he left right after the ceremony. Didn't even stay for the party. Went back to the factory. Uh, he hadn't taken a week off of work in, in 17 years. And the only reason he took a week off back in 2001 was because he contracted malaria. That's the only reason he stopped working. And And so during this interview with the New York Times, he actually got really emotional when he said, quote, there were times when I didn't leave the factory for three or four days. I didn't go outside for days. And this came at the expense of seeing my kids and seeing friends. And then at this point, he started kind of choking up. And so this writer, Eric Partaker, says, is this really success? I mean, by all, by certain measures, of course, this guy is extremely successful. I uh, started all these companies. He's trying to do, do world-changing stuff. I, I'm very much looking forward to the Elon Musk biography that's coming out in early September by Walter Isaacson. Uh, great writer, great biographer, and that, that should be a doozy. I, I'm really looking forward to that one. But it, despite his accomplishments, there are certain areas, and I think Elon probably admit this, there are certain areas of his life where he's not probably hitting on all cylinders. And maybe you can't when you're that kind of dude. I, I don't know. But... Is this really something we should be shooting for? And, and the writer of this book, Eric Partaker, he had, he had the same thing kind of happen to him. He wasn't nearly as successful as, as Musk, but he had been neglecting his health. And one time he was on a business trip and he was having all these pains shooting down his arm and, and he wasn't feeling well, chest pains. And he called his, his health provider and they said, do not get on the plane to come home. He was uh, in another country at the time. Don't get on the plane. And he's like, yeah, whatever, I'll be fine. So he gets on the plane, he has a heart attack on the plane. They have to land the plane. Um, okay, so he alarm bell went off, and he realized, I got, I got to get my health together. So he did, he worked on his health. But then one day, his new bride, he'd only been married for, for two or three years, Eric Partaker, uh, his wife Giselle woke up one morning and said, oh, I'm leaving you. What? He had just kind of neglected his marriage. To the point now, he, I think he was able to, get things back on course. I think they're, 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 they're together, but it was, it was touch and go for a little while. And so he, he's kind of realized in his own life, he can't, there are, there are real consequences when you ignore big areas of life. And so when he does executive coaching, he says that when he's talking to these business leaders, a lot of people, and not just business leaders, even regular people like you and me, they, they, People think they, they don't have time. They don't have time to make the changes that they need to in their lives. But he says, the time is now. Time is not on your side. Every, there are always grains slipping through the hourglass of the days of our lives, if you will. You can't wait. You, you've got to start now. Because what we tend to think, and he, and he talks about this, 
You think, oh, if I could just get past this thing, if I can just get past the end of the next quarter, or if I can uh, just get through this semester, or if I can uh, just get this project done, or, or then I will take care of X, whether it's my health or my relationships. And Eric Partaker says they, they, these people are confusing surviving and thriving. They're confusing surviving with thriving because they have been able to kind of survive this way living this unbalanced life and things are kind of working but they're not working out really well because w- what's actually happening is they've just become really accustomed to having a really low baseline of productivity and happiness and in fact it wouldn't take much to implode their lives you know you just add a feather to the scale in one area and poof, the whole thing could fall apart so he asks his clients he says stuff like hey wouldn't wouldn't you actually thrive more if you actually got some sleep what what if you're happier in your marriage and your relationships if you don't have time to pursue some hobbies do some things that you enjoy and I, i'm, I'm kind of like that too sometimes i can get i can get obsessed with certain things with work and and i like to play golf i i, I told producer jim off air i'm hoping to get out for a round of golf uh this weekend and uh, i i've been talking to a friend of mine about this a fellow golfer and he said, How many, you know, have you been golfing much this year? And I said, I've been out like twice. He said, dude, what's going on? Like, I'm, just, I'm too busy. He said, yeah, maybe you are too busy. You've got to have, you've got to have some time for, for yourself, for, for a hobby that you enjoy. Um, You've you, you got to stop filling your body with junk food, junk fuel, you know? And uh, I'm trying to be more like producer Jim. This guy is, you know, running marathons and working out and, should see this guy he's like he's like, he's like a, a greek statue a- anyways um I, I need to do that but think because things do catch up with you things do catch up with you and it, it, it's intriguing um victor frankel a lot of people have read this book and, and i i must confess it's confession time i have not read the book man's search for meaning shame on me shame shame and uh, it's a favorite of, of many of my friends. People give it to, to other people to read. It, it's obviously one of the life-changing books of the 20th century. And apparently he talks about this a little bit in, in the book. Um, he was obviously uh, an, Austra- uh, an Austrian, excuse me, not an Australian. This isn't uh, the beginning of the movie Dumb and Dumber, where the Jim Carrey character uh, sees this uh, beautiful woman, and, and he says, Oh, uh, that's a lovely accent you have. Where, 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 where are you from? And she says, Austria. I'm from Austria. And he says, Good day, mate. Throw another shrimp on the bobby. One of the classic lines of all time. Anyways, no. So I almost did that myself. I almost made it. No, he, he was Austrian. He was an Austrian neurologist, uh, psycholo- psychiatrist, and of course he survived the Holocaust. And I don't know if you remember Abraham Maslow. I remember reading about this in school. Abraham Maslow and his famous hierarchy of needs. It's kind of a pyramid where you're just kind of, there's basic survival. You've just got to find a place to sleep and just get your basic needs met. But at the top of the pyramid, there's something he called self-actualization. This is like, wow, you're living your best life here. And Abraham Maslow actually said that Viktor Frankl was one of the few people who actually did that, in his view, to actually reach self-actualization. So after when when he left uh, the death camp of Auschwitz, when he was able to be liberated, that's when he wrote *Man's Search for Meaning*, and he noticed that unlike Freud, unlike Sigmund Freud, and, and Freud always said, "Hey, people try to avoid pain, seek pleasure." That doesn't work in the concentration camp. That's that's not going to happen. 
So the people that survived the concentration camp were not people who were simply trying to maximize their pleasure. No, they were looking for purpose and meaning in their lives, in their, in their work, in, in, even in their pain. And there was a lot of pain. So that, that's one of the, the, the great lessons, apparently, that, that, that's in the book, that, that if we want to reach our human potential, we need to find time to focus on others. We, we have to find some work that's going to matter to us and to, to, to seek meaning and purpose in our lives, even in our suffering. And it's very, very true. It's very, very true for all of us today. So more on this right after the break. I don't know if you have a take on this. If you have any thoughts on this, if you've read the book, 888-914-9149. We'll be right back on The Kale Clark Show after this. Explaining the faith so you can explain it to others. It's The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hey, are you excited that it's a Friday, it's a weekend? I know I am, and I'm excited that you decided to spend that time with me kicking off this Friday evening or afternoon if you're out on the West Coast. Good to be with you. 888-914-9149. I will not leave you in suspense. I'm going to reveal to you what these three alarms are that you need to set on your phone today to help you be the person that God has created you to be. But first, before we do that, we've got to hit up the week that was on the Kale Clark Show. In case you missed any of it, here's a rundown from producer Jim. Check it out. Ben Mir talked about the 333 method. It's not original to him. It actually comes from Oliver Berkman. The first three, three hours on your most important project. The second three, and you do three shorter tasks. These are the sort of urgent things. They're not the important things that will really move the needle in your life or career or job, but, but they, are, they are urgent. They need to get done. You've got to go to that meeting. You've got to file that report, whatever the case may be. The third three is maintenance activities. So if you can do that, if you can do three hours on your big project, do three other tasks that are important, and then three maintenance activities, walk the dog, brush your teeth, whatever, pay the bills, define what those are maybe the night before. And I think you'll set yourself up for a pretty productive day, and you can feel good about that. You're going to hit your goals. This is what St. Dominic said on his deathbed with his spiritual sons gathered around him. He said, my very dear brothers, this is what I leave to you as a possession to be held by right of inheritance by you, my children. This is, this is, the, this is the inheritance. He says, have charity, have love, preserve humility. Again, you can't study without humility. Preserve humility and possess voluntary poverty. Keep it low key and do his preaching. So this love of truth, this, this idea, I need to love the truth, I need to live the truth, I need to possess the truth with love, humility, and, and poverty. And you say, well, I'm not a religious, how can I live poverty? Well, you have to live poverty of spirit. Even though we, we live in the middle of the world, we need to have and use stuff. We need a car to get around, get our kids to school, whatever the case may be. But we don't let these things possess us. We live the spirit of poverty. And people notice that too, they, they pick up on that. It's the feast day of St. Lawrence, deacon and martyr and the patron saint of comedians. Why? Because he had a lot of jokes on the way to his martyrdom. The first one, one of them got pretty much helped to get him killed. And uh, he brought the, he was asked to bring the treasures of the church and he brought all the poor, the sick, the blind and the lame. And so here they are. These are the truly the treasures of the church. As he's being flame broiled, uh, Deacon Lawrence said, turn me over. I'm done on this side. So with that being said, producer Jim, let's hear it. 
Uh, what did the good Lord say when St. Lawrence reached the pearly gates? I, I have no idea. Well done, good and faithful oh. servant. <laughs> <laughs> Nick in Albuquerque. Nick, you are alive and you are on stage now at the Oak Park Show. So what do you call a priest who is in charge of the school play? I don't know. The spiritual director. The spiritual director. Okay. <laughs> there we go. That was actually Jim laughing. That's how he laughs. I don't know if anybody knows that, but uh, that was not a sound effect. Patrick in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, near Philadelphia. Hello, Patrick. Hi, Cal. Enjoy your show. Okay. A man enters a very strict monastery. You're only allowed to say two words every five years. After the first five years, the abbot calls the monk in, says, what are your two words? The monk replies, bet hard. Okay. After the second five years, the abbot calls him back in again and says, okay, you can say your two words. Food cold. Third time, after 15 years, he calls him in and says, okay, say your two words. The monk says, I quit. The abbot says, that's good. You've done nothing but complain since you got here. <laughs> I like that. And I, I like the week that was. Thanks for putting that together, Producer Jim. We had a good time on the show this week. Faith, facts, and fun. We learned together. We had a lot of laughs along the way, too. 888-914-9149 is the number to call right now on The Kale Clark Show. Uh, just before that, before the break, we were talking about this concept of the three alarms to set a fire, a three-alarm fire uh, under you, uh, getting your life rolling again. And so I've uh, been re- checking out this little book, kind of interesting, by Eric Partaker, and it's about the three alarms. What what are they? What exactly are the three alarms? Well, basically, after after hanging out with some intellectuals and professors and reading books like The Power of Habit, uh, by Charles Duhigg, uh, Eric Partaker said, you know, I've got this idea of how to get my life on track in these really important areas, our health, our work, and our relationships. And so he, he came up with this idea. He kind of had a brainwave. He said, what if I set three alarms on my phone to trigger me? One to remind me to be healthy, one to remind me to be wealthy. <laughs> and our goal is not necessarily making lots of money, but that was just kind of his work goal. And one to remind him, I want to be a great husband and dad. So he decided to do that. And he said that very simple action has transformed his life. And he still, to this day, has those three alarms going off every single day. And if you have an iPhone, if you go into the clock app, you set your alarms, you can actually name your alarms. I don't know if you knew this, but you can actually assign it a name. And, and that became very, very important to him. So he says every every alarm is tied to an identity, a role that he wants to play in his life. So here's here's how he does this on his phone. At 6.30 a.m., he's got an alarm that goes off, and that alarm is called World Fitness Champion. <laughs> what do you think he does at 6.30? That's when he does his workout. The next time an alarm goes off is at 9 a.m., and the alarm is called World's Best Coach. So that's a trigger for him, a cue for him to get into the mindset uh, he's an executive coach. That's his job. So to be the world's best executive coach, that's his goal for the rest of the day until 6.30 p.m. Because at 6.30 p.m., another alarm goes off on his phone right when he's getting home for the day. And that alarm is called world's best husband and father. World's best husband and father. And he says, am I actually the world's best at all these things? Absolutely not. Not even close. But it, it's a great way to to set up your day and think about 
you know, wake up calls that we can give ourselves to, to, to be intentional about our day. Cause if you don't, if you're not intentional, eventually you will get another kind of wake up call. You're going to get that uh, doctor sitting you down saying, I've got some news for you or, or that person in your life who says I'm out the door or, or you get the pink slip at work. If you're not paying attention, if you're not being intentional about these areas, you're going to get an alarm of a different sort. So you might as well set them yourself first, he says. I think that's really interesting. So this idea of, of getting into these modes, and you can create sort of values that you want to exhibit uh, during these modes. And there, there, there's a whole bunch of people on social media who have picked up on this. There's this guy named Sahil Bloom. He, he's got about a million followers on Twitter. He, he writes a newsletter. It's really good. And so he, he's adopted this three-alarm system. So he, he calls his morning alarm, he calls it morning monster. I like that, morning monster. That's when he does his workout at 4.30 in the morning. And then his work alarm goes off at, I don't know, 7, 8 o'clock, and it's called workhorse. workhorse. You can call it whatever you want. And then at 6 p.m., uh, he's got an alarm that's called super dad. So he, he kind of adopts that personality. And then there's different modes you can get into things you can, some keywords you can think about so if you're super dad you might want to have the values of being playful being fun uh, laughter being present th that sort of thing uh when you're at work you, you could think about being fast focused aggressive powerful whatever the case may be um with your goals chasing after them uh, anyways it's an intriguing concept and maybe i'll talk more about that in the future now where it's kind of lacking is spiritual life obviously that's that's really really important, um, and so that's throughout the day. Though I don't know if you need special alarms for that. Maybe you do. Remind yourself to pray the angels at noon. Uh, work those things into your day as well, because ultimately you've got to be the best version of yourself. You've got to be a saint. So keep it locked to Relevant Radio tonight. Hey, Doctor Phil is going to be on the network in just a few moments on Trending with Timmy. No, not that guy. It's a different Dr. Phil. It's Dr. Phil Chavez, who's the founder of the Men's Academy, advancing teachings on Christian patriarchy so that men would serve with a father's heart. So we hear a lot of negative things about the patriarchy. This might be something different. So check that out. Stay tuned for Timory. Check out the Family Rosary with Father Rocky after that. I'm Cale Clark. If you missed anything, check the podcast for The Faith Explained. We talked about purgatory today in the Bible. Jim Shaper produced. Patrick Aylock took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening to my daddy.